another QuackCast. This is the 200th, and it's brought to you by Pussware LLC. You can find more of my static multimedia empire over at edgydoc.com. The QuackCasts, of course, are reviews of supplements, complementary and alternative medicine, scams. And this one is called Infectious Diseases and Cancer. With apologies to my colleagues, but infectious diseases really is the most interesting specialty in medicine. There are innumerable interesting associations and interactions of infectious diseases in medicine, history, art, science, and, well, life, the universe, and everything. ID is so 42. A recent email led me to wander the numerous interactions between infections and cancer. Of course, there are cancers that are caused by infection. HPV and cervical and throat cancer. I've never understood how that virus gets to the throat. EBV and lymphoma. HHV8 and Kaposi sarcoma. And I certainly hope I am not reincarnated as a Tasmanian devil. There are less clear-cut causations and associations like toxigenic bacteroides fragilis and bowel cancer or scar carcinoma in tuberculosis. It is an interesting area of research but is still unsettled. And some cancers lead to infections. For example, bowel cancer makes a matrix, not made by normal cells, that allows the preferential adherence of the bacteria Streptococcus galactolyticus, which then causes bacteremia, which then seeds the heart valve to cause endocarditis. If you see a patient dying of Clostridium septicum sepsis, they likely have an underlying bowel cancer. And on and on. Infectious diseases is about knowing all these odd associations. But it gets even odder. There has been a peculiar association between having an acute infection and having a cancer go into remission. There are numerous case reports of cancer regression after bacterial, fungal, viral, and protozoal infections. Why? Well, some tumors are temperature sensitive and die, like bacteria, at higher temperatures. Quote, Preclinical and clinical studies have shown for decades that tumor cells demonstrate significantly enhanced sensitivity to fever range hyperthermia, increasing the intertumoral temperature to 42 to 45 degrees centigrade than normal cells, although it is unknown why cancer cells exhibit this distinctive susceptibility. And fever is mediated in part by a cytokine, TNF, which is also known as tumor necrosis factor. It is a curiosity that was recognized for centuries, but was first used clinically in the late 1800s by William Coley, who actually injected live streptococci and other bacterial products into patients and saw a regression of primarily bone and soft tissue tumors. Injection of live bacteria into patients is not such a great idea, especially in the pre-antibiotic era, so he did use killed streptococci and killed serratia with similar results. Use of toxins and bacteria has become passe for the treatment of cancer, but hyperthermia is still an active area of research in cancer treatment, as is using bacteria to kill tumors. GMO clostridia species, for example, have been injected into animal tumors with good results. It is an intervention prone to hype and some curious practices. Meh, what a surprise. A pair of neurosurgeons in UC Davis had to quit after they injected brain tumor patients with bowel bacteria, one of whom died of sepsis. They used Enterobacter orogenes, 
And this is a reasonably hard to kill organism and reinforces why saying something isn't brain surgery is, from an internist perspective, not really saying it is all that difficult. Neurosurgeons operate on brains, but it does not follow that theirs is particularly high functioning. And then there is the case I remember but cannot find, false memory, of a lab tech who tried to cure his own cancer, lymphoma, by injecting E. coli, or was it salmonella, into his bloodstream. It did not affect the cancer, but he did get septic and almost died. I should probably delete this sentence, but I am hoping one of my listeners with better Google Foo than I can find the reference. Of course, the pseudo-medical world takes advantage of this curiosity by offering saunas and other forms of heat as cancer treatment, assuming that all cancers are susceptible to increased temperature. Often, heat is combined with other pseudo-medicines with the expected results. Death. From what I can tell from the web, it is promulgated more in Europe than in the U.S. as a cancer cure. Most of the cancer patients I see have fevers, often from infection, and neither the infection nor the fever seems to be all that salubrious. For some cancers, fever is a presenting syndrome, such as the classic Pell-Epstein fever of lymphoma, doing the malignancy little, if any, harm. Fever as a cancer treatment is an interesting phenomenon, but it is not the be-all and end-all of cancer therapy. And then there is this literature that suggests that childhood infections, especially the vaccine-preventable infections, prevent adult cancers. It is a most unimpressive literature fraught with methodological bias, the most important being relying on memory and questionnaires of past infections. One study notes, quote, a history of common colds or gastroenteric influenza prior to the interview was found to be associated with a decreased cancer risk. There is no apparent relationship between childhood infections and other diseases reported in the earlier history and cancer risk. To which I say, what in the hell is gastroenteric influenza? Febrile Infectious Childhood Diseases in the History of Cancer Patients and Matched Controls was published in Medical Hypothesis, found in patients in an anthro... Oh, I can never pronounce this word. Anthroposophoric, A-N-T-H-R-O-P-O-S-O-P-H-I-C. Anthroposophic medical practice, a decrease in cancers associated with measles, mumps, rubella, pertussis, scarlet fever, and chickenpox as a child. And another study suggested an association between measles and a subsequent decreased risk of lymphoma. There are, of course, variable results when looking for an association. Quote, in this pre-vaccination cohort, childhood infection with measles and influenza were associated with a reduced risk of cancer in adulthood, while pertussis was associated with an increased risk. And others find no or bad associations. Quote, we could not confirm the results of former studies which assumed a preventative effect of childhood diseases and fever on cancer risk. On the contrary, on the basis of this investigation, one might postulate a two- to three-fold risk of cancer by mumps or whooping cough. Or, quote, these results offer little support to either a protective effect or enhanced immune surveillance or a harmful effect from antigenic stimulation in relation to risk for adult leukemia in adults. Although, 
doing cell phone interviews might have increased their risk of brain tumor. That's sarcasm. It is a curious literature, but nowhere near robust enough to draw a conclusion. You know, the old skeptical saw association is not causation. And one would have to wonder how these infections, each involving different pathophysiologies in the primary disease, could have so many different effects on tumors of such radically different origins so many years later. From a causal perspective and wide variations in effect, it seems more noise than real, as one author noted, quote, however, the associations between cancer risk and childhood infectious diseases are intriguing. But as I have learned in the past 35 years, most intriguing ideas are not valid upon further testing, and it's usually a bummer. As an excuse to avoid childhood vaccinations, this literature is not convincing. The known morbidity and mortality of vaccine-preventable illnesses far outweigh the maybe of cancer prevention. And if you were really worried about future cancer, I would assume the HPV vaccine would be very high on your to-do list. And that reaches the 200th. Wow, 200 quackcasts. Thanks for listening. As always, the references and other links to my static multimedia empire are at edgydoc.com. And of course, go to Amazon and buy my books, The Puss Whisperer, Volumes 1 and 2. They will be wonderful Christmas presents this year. Talk to you later. Bye.